0: Hello, my name is Danny Flood. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide to living the adventurous lifestyle. We help people find more freedom, love, passion, and adventure in their lives. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. So I have a very exciting podcast for you guys today. I'm joined by Billy and Acacia Kaderli. In 1991, Billy and Acacia retired at the ripe young age of 38. Now, they are in their 24th year of a financially independent lifestyle. And according to themselves, they are just getting started. So I just wanted to welcome you to the show, and thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank Thank you for having us.
0: So could you guys maybe just expand on that introduction a little bit, and then give me a recap of what your life's been like these last 24 years, and maybe also a snapshot of your lives before that.
1: Okay, well, Danny... we were in our early 30s and we were living in uh, Santa Cruz, California, on the Pacific Coast of California, in a very nice location, and we were both working um, two separate careers at this time, and we were both putting in many, many, many hours, um, and it got to a point where we started drifting apart, and we we decided that uh, we needed to make a change and do something different, and we both have a traveler's bug in us and so we, um, we took two years and, and uh, arranged our finances and, and checked what we were spending and we decided that we had enough of a nest egg that we could financially support ourselves um, without having to, a job and so in 1991 at the age of 38 we started our trek by uh, flying from California down to Nevis West Indies in the Caribbean and we spent six months, six months on this tiny island in, in the Caribbean. And from there, we haven't looked back.
0: That's fantastic. So, I mean, I want to ask you guys, what, what was going through your minds um, when you took this plunge? I mean, were you afraid? Were you uh, – did the existential questions creep up? Like, the, were you worried about what you were going to do and, and how you were going to survive? Or you just felt like you were going to figure it out as you went?
2: Well, actually it was Billy's idea to to do this retirement, um, and travel the world. We both were travelers, but in my in my mind I was I thought that he was you know, a little crazy about it. I thought that we were way too young and there was we didn't really have yeah, we didn't really have any mentors that had done this ahead of we had written read a couple of books and Saw some articles where people were sailing around the world with their kids and this type of thing. And it always appealed to us. But to actually do it ourselves, we received very little support and very little understanding about it. It was something brand new. It challenged the belief system of everyone we knew. And it was it was a little um, stressful and challenging because we weren't sure what we were going to do um, not in terms of being bored because we're not that type of people. We're very self entertaining. We we are very we're self starters. But just how was it gonna work out? Were we able were we going to be able to survive and live on the amount of money that we said we were? So it it was with trepidation and uh excitement that we started out our 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 world travels.
0: Yeah, so Billy kind of stated it rather matter of factly, but I'm sure uh it's it's such an outlandish dream uh or such an outlandish idea that it seems like a dream. I'm sure everyone else kind of uh, told you guys to be realistic, right? Oh,
2: sure. You know, which most people um, didn't believe that we were actually retiring. They figured we'd go on a couple-month vacation and return with our tails between our legs and say that we failed and go back to work.
1: It gets to a point <laughs> where, where how, how much is enough um, when you... When you're working and you're saving and investing as we were, it got to a point where is it going to make any difference if we double our net worth? Is it going to make any difference if we have X amount instead of Y? Um, right. And it just got to a point where how much is enough and what do you need to, to live the lifestyle that, that you want to live um, for, for as long as you want to do it? So that's what it gets down to.
0: And there's a study. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard of it, but I, they did a. I don't know if it was in psycholo- uh, where I read about in Psychology Today, but they said that after a certain amount, making more money doesn't actually add anything to your life. Doesn't make you any happier. Uh, you guys, yes, with so that I've story? read those. Yes, I am familiar with it. Yeah, and I don't know. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but um, you know, you guys actually sent me before this interview. You sent me your 20 questions, and. Um, as I was looking over those, I think that's a lot of the questions you guys probably get are, are from people who are are maybe interested in you and your story, but uh, I don't think they could ever see themselves doing it. Would you say that's correct? Most, most people? Well,
1: <clears throat> most people could do it. It's just a matter of if they have the desire to do it. Financially, financially, um, years ago before the 2008 housing crash I made the comment that anybody in the state of California could do it because um, home prices were through the roof and then we had the housing crash in 08 and that made that brought some people down to earth but but now they're starting to move up again and I just think that that it doesn't you don't have to be a millionaire to live this lifestyle um, it's just a matter of having priorities and you know, like you know, you're you're in Thailand right now. It's inexpensive to be there. It's very exotic, and it expands your mind. And so it's just a matter of, of setting your own priorities as to what you want to do.
2: I think most people are afraid, and they're they're very security oriented. And while that's understandable, um, to live one's life out of the box is very exciting. And um, it, we track our spending every day, and so we know what we spend and what we're, we're on track to spend for the year. And that brings a lot of security to our situation. We're not just hanging out in the wind blowing, you know, um, I think if people track their spending, they would see how much they are, they're actually spending and what they could cut back on or what they, what they really truly need.
1: When, when we were working uh, be, before we set off on separate careers, we were both, we owned and operated a business, a small business and when you own a business, you have to track your spending, you have to track your income, you have to track everything. Otherwise, you're going to go out of business. And so we just took those same tools and transferred them into our own personal life, and that has served us well.
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you guys are talking about. Um, and I do want to talk about this a little bit later in the interview, but uh, it was actually two years ago when I came to Thailand for the first time. I was in Chiang Mai. And uh, that's when I first started keeping a budget. And I don't know if it's how you guys do it, but I I just started writing down everything I spent money on on a piece of paper and just kept track. And then I realized, you know, I can easily live like a king for less than $30 a day. So, you know, that that gave me a lot of comfort and security because uh, I could project that number out into the future, you know, on a monthly basis, six months. um, And I didn't have to worry about whether... Uh, I should spend money on something or not, and I, I was able to kind of enjoy myself a little more. Exactly, and we've got the numbers for twenty-four years. <laughs> that's that's impressive. So I want to talk a bit, little bit about your experiences. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about the what and the kind of a little bit about the why before we kind of get into the how. Is that all right? Sure. Um, yeah. So I want to go back because um, I think the one thing that that's stopping most people is the you know this alibi and um, I was thinking about a metaphor that's, uh, or maybe an analogy that Rolf Potts gives in the book Vagabonding, um, where he talks about these two monks 1,700 years ago uh, who jumped about traveling but they couldn't leave their monastery so they kept saying, uh, you know, we will travel in the summer, in the winter, and then in the, in the summer they would say we will travel in the winter, and they went on and on and on like this for 50 years uh, without ever leaving the monastery or, or breaking their vows. Um, <clears throat> And I think most people kind of live this way like these monks do. You know, why is it that, uh, how can we shake up people out of this comfort zone and kind of encourage them more to take this plunge like you guys did when you went to Nevis? Well, that story reminded me of, of us
1: in that we were in the same situation, except that we were, went to Chapala, Mexico. We originally went there in, I think, 1993, planning to stay two months. We ended up staying four years. And it was like, okay, well, we'll go in the spring, and then, no, we'll, it's going to be too hot up north, so let's stay here until the fall. Then we get into the fall, and we get involved with something. And then we said, well, we don't want to go during the holidays. Let's stay here again. <laughs> and it just kept going on and on and on for four years.
0: And so – um, one of the – Yes,
2: sir. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I think one of the things that's important in um, – when people are afraid to take a leap like this is that they aren't sure what they're uh, moving towards. If you just leave the life that you're living and you're jumping into the abyss, that isn't very attractive. So you have to sort of, uh, we made a list of all the things that we wanted to learn, um, places we wanted to go, things we wanted to do and see. And so we weren't like, Leaving so much what we were doing, but we were moving forward towards something that we wanted to do, and I think that sort of um, what it sort of bridges the two lives together, so that so that you're not taking such a huge step and it's so frightening.
0: Right, and I think most people might say that you're running away from life, um, but you're saying what you actually realize is that you're running to life Um, (laughs) because one one of your questions is uh, on your website is aren't you wasting your lives and I think that's a very narrow minded question I think a better question is um, now that you're free from a life that you don't want how do you fill the void to find greater meaning in life wouldn't you say
2: yes I I think that once we um, unentangled ourselves from a life of just work and we love to work. It's not that we're we're anti-work because we're, we're producers. Billy and I both are. But once we, we un, un, disentangled ourselves from the schedule of it, you know, six, 60, 80 hours a week, there were lots of um, opportunities that opened up, volunteering and projects and new things to learn and places to go. And, and actually, um, especially if you're self-motivated or self-starting, the world just is just full of opportunity and they just drop in your lap and you can choose, well, should we do this or should we do that? I mean, this last year we were invited to go to Vietnam, all expenses paid just to rate um, a concierge service. And I mean, that opportunity would never have happened if we had been working. I mean, everything was paid for and we met new people and had new experiences and so on. And that was just something that just fell into our laps and we could choose, Oh, well, should we do this? Should we do that? And it's, it's actually very exciting once, once you're out of the regular schedule.
0: So you guys obviously have a very unique perspective um, based on your experiences these last 24 years. Um, what would you say you've learned as a result of this journey? I mean, what, what meaning have you found? What, how have you filled uh, your time and uh, maybe what, what, what did you learn that was kind of unexpected as well? What have you found?
1: Well, for myself, um, I, I learned that I, uh, my investing skills are, are solid and that um, we can sustain ourselves with the amount of assets that we had when we retired. At this point, our assets have grown um, to more than what we had when we retired, including inflation. So we are, uh, we are in, uh, in solid financial shape is the way I see it. Um, the other thing that, that I have learned, is during the during the 24 years that we retired the computer age came came about um and so in the 90s we bought our first pc and it was been a it's been a bit of a learning experience as i've got no technical background in computing at all and so then in 2005 we launched our own website and as you know uh there's technical challenges constantly with this stuff and so i've had to self-teach myself um quite a bit. And so, uh, you know, it keeps me out of the bars.
2: <laughs> I think for myself, um, one of the things I appreciate most is the perspective that world travel gives. Um, you know, it, it forces you not to be narrowed. There's just so much variety in the human condition that, that it actually opens your mind. And I appreciate that very deeply. Also that stress doesn't stop. It just changes form. So, like, even though we were stressed out about our jobs, you know, once the jobs were um, taken out of the equation, then we became stressed out about something else, like visas or uh, catching our plane or catching the bus or our luggage or some such thing. I mean, stress doesn't just stop. It just changes form. And and that um, was very interesting to me. I just wasn't sure if it was just going to be a blissful life or whether things were going to still be challenging. And, you know, every life has challenges. So,
1: And in the 24 years that we've been retired, we've both done a lot of volunteer work. Acacia uh, started a note card business in in Chapala, Mexico, because there were there were no postcards at the time we were there of, of the current uh, town we were living in. And so we went around with a camera and took a bunch of shots. This is back with 35 millimeter because digital revolution hadn't happened yet. And we would produce hundreds of cards and sell them in various locations. And we taught the the photography lab that we used there, how to do this and where to go to sell them. And now it is a self-sustaining business. (laughs) Also in Mexico, we were, I always got involved with uh, the tennis community and we had four rundown tennis courts and myself and another friend took those over in 1995, I believe. And we uh, raised money, refurbished the courts, and then they became so popular that we raised some more money, and, and I, I ended up building two more tennis courts. So now we have a uh, total of six courts down there, and they're by far the finest uh, courts in the area.
2: I think one of the another thing that um, is very apparent is we, as as Americans, um, really have a lot, and we have a lot to offer. Um, to the world, actually. Not everybody has has been given what we all have been given in terms of education or even in the amount of food that we eat every day. And so we are able to give to people in volunteering situations our knowledge, our expertise, our energy, our viewpoints, and that sort of thing. And, and uh, you, one can really find self-worth in, in these volunteer um, exchanges, and I think that really enriches one's life.
1: Much more than money.
0: Yeah, so, so you guys really have the sense that you're um, living according to your purpose and making a difference uh, in the world versus uh, living a pointless life of just spinning the wheels in a job.
2: Right, just or, instead, of, instead of just yeah. consuming or spending time just to unwind, you know, there's actually purpose and, and meaning and engagement, and both of us really enjoy that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that must be a great sense of fulfillment that you're able to do good everywhere you go and contribute to the world and make it a better place. Um, I mean, I, I have, back to those
1: tennis courts, I
0: have zero construction experience,
1: and so I had to get the plans offline at that time. Actually, I incorporated two or three different sets of plans to make them work in our situation. And, uh, you know, I was basically the, the general contractor of this project, and all eyes were on me, uh, pass or fail. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of it was a little I'm not saying it was stress free because I'm dealing. I'm 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 in a city park on federal land using a Mexican contractor and I'm a gringo. And so, you know, what could go wrong with this situation is a lot.
0: (laughs) But it makes makes life interesting, though, right? Makes for a good story. Oh, for sure. (laughs) For sure. And I'm very proud of that. Yeah and wow just to put things in perspective you guys mentioned uh, when you started out I mean it's hard to imagine today but there were no cell phones no com- not even computers right you said Well right. th- there
1: were computers cuz we actually had one in the 80s uh, for oh, a, right, right, right. a restaurant but it that was an Apple IIe e with a flop, you no know, with the floppy disk um, I remember those uh, but yeah there's nothing <laughs> nothing like nothing like what's out there today no cell phones were they were around too, but they were the kind where you had to have it in the trunk of your car.
2: Um, Things have changed a car lot phones. digitally.
0: Yeah. Car phone, oh, yes, right.
2: Yes, That's they were.
0: I remember Things when I was changed. like six or seven and I had one of those old Mac computers and I used to play this game where I'd shoot these little stars at these spaceships and stuff, but it was like really, it was all 2D, like two, I, I don't know, like <laughs> very, very primitive. <laughs> um, very primitive. We've come a long
1: way and that's, that. These, this technology revolution has really made our lives simpler because now we have online banking, which we didn't have in the, in the beginning. We have, have uh, ATM machines are now everywhere. When we first started this, they were scattered. Um, and so, you know, I can trade stocks from anywhere in the world at any time of the day and uh, it's it's really made our lives much, much easier.
2: Sure. We have online books, online music. We, we've got email and Skype. It's so much easier to keep in touch with family and friends. I mean, before we were sending out snail mail, and it'd be, it'd be months before uh, we'd, we'd hear from family. It was $2 a minute to call from Mexico, so a 30-minute phone call to talk with family once a month was 60 bucks, you know, and and now everything is so much easier, so much lighter. It's, it's, it's gotten so much easier all the way around.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely amazing the world of options that uh, we have available to us. And I think a lot of people don't actually even realize all the options that they have um, and how they can use these to uh, change their life and live the life they want. I was actually uh, talking about this in another interview. where We were talking about the sharing economy, which I'm sure you guys uh, are familiar with, even if you don't know that term. Um, and the sharing economy refers to things like uh, couch surfing or airbnb or house sitting or uh, ride sharing you know sharing resources and and the way that uh, online portals and platforms are making this all possible and even skype, you know what we 're using right now how we 're able to uh, connect from across yes. the world yeah
2: yes, the community has gotten larger, like you say ride sharing or couch-surfing or house-sitting, I mean those things have just opened up the whole world and you can um, take care of each other's pets, you can visit different countries or even just across the United States you can house-sit and take care of pets and it, like you had mentioned the options are really wide and varied and all you have to do is just decide you want to do them and, and plan for that and, and really it's, it's easy.
1: We have house-set in uh, Antigua, Guatemala uh, as well as Chapala, Mexico as well as in the US.
0: Yeah, and I think house sitting is, is kind of like a secret weapon for the long-term traveler, right? You can uh, give... <laughs> well, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It, it is it's good
2: because housing is one of the largest expenses in anyone's budget and if you can, you know, tame your housing expense whether you are house sitting or couch surfing or you get a monthly rate at a hotel, you know, you're really impacting your spending.
0: Right, right. And um, I want to get into house-sitting in just a second. Uh, I want to dive in. But uh, before I get to that, I want to ask you about something else you said, uh, which which was there is no uh, cure-all to stress. It just changes forms. Um, yes. So how have you guys found good ways to, I guess, mitigate that stress or to, uh, I don't know, you got to put things in perspective. Sometimes you have to pinch yourself, right? I mean, you must be... You might be stressed out about a flight, but you're on the beach in Thailand. I mean, you've got to pinch yourself and be grateful, right? or <laughs> what, what do you guys do to, to cope?
2: Well, I think everybody is different in these sorts of things. Um, myself i like I like to uh, meditate or, or listen to um, music that I train with, and or you know exercise is always really good because then you can get out get out those little shakes. The internal when you're when you sort of vibrate with stress you know um breathing is, is breathing exercises are really good too like you mentioned um here you are on the beach in thailand and and you know everything is falling into place for you and, and you're worried about renewing your visa or, or catching that plane tomorrow or something and it is i mean of all the things in the world you know i mean i could be worried about having my next meal and i'm not so yeah it, it, we have a very blessed lifestyle and and I think, in terms of what people do for, for stress, that's, um, sometimes we just go out of our hotel room and just take a look at, at the great weather that we have or, or the, uh, the vendors, the street vendors, or the natural beauty that we're surrounded in. And that's, that's very, it mitigates the stress as well.
0: Yeah, just practicing gratitude like that and focusing on what you're thankful for, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I, I think I can relate to, to you guys as well because um, you mentioned meditation. And I found that to be the answer many times. Like uh, when I came to Asia two years ago, I did a, a motorcycle trip. You know, I went across Vietnam and, um, you know, I dreamed about this trip for, for a while. And, and I was like, okay, well, this is it. I'm living the dream. I mean, is this everything that I had imagined it was? And, you know, I got this tremendous high, but then I was like, okay, what do I do next? You know,
1: right? <laughs> did, uh-huh.
0: do I need to return to corporate America? And I was like, no, no, I, I need to figure out I need, whatever I want, whatever I do next, I want it to be bigger than what I did, what I've done already, you know, and I want to find greater purpose in my life. And, uh, I think meditating helps with that. Do, do you guys, sure. uh, have you guys ex- encountered that experience?
2: Um, I think that Billy and I, like I've mentioned before, we're, we're both very self-motivated and we're, we're goal oriented and, um, do you guys you know, keep we do like that-
1: we did when we first retired. Now it's um, now it's just in our heads.
2: Yeah. Now we just trust that new things will happen. We never know how they're going to come or where they're going to come or when. But um, things just fall into our laps, and, and we're we're a lot more trusting of the process than than we used to be. You know, we always wonder, like, well, what are we going to write about next, or where we're we going to go next. But something always happens, and, and it just falls right into our laps, and and we're really grateful for that.
0: Awesome. And um, I actually wanted to ask you guys, too, How how is the world, you know, you've been traveling since 1991 and uh, before a lot of these technological developments. I mean, how has travel changed over these last 24 years? And how is the world? Have you seen the world as it's developing?
1: It's like I said about the having computers and technology. It's actually made a lot easier and in, in regarding travel. Uh, airline tickets, for instance, um, you know, years ago you had to go through travel agents all the time. Um, to get tickets. Now, I mean, you can book online, you can compare prices, you can, uh, uh, you know, create your own itinerary. And um, so it's gotten easier, like I mentioned. I, I think things have come to us. Um, and I don't know if we were that far ahead or or if, if uh, the world's catching up with us or what, but uh, it's, it's just gotten easier all the way around.
0: You guys are so ahead of the curve. I mean, you were doing this 15 years before the four-hour workweek was uh, was ever published. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so. I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to give you an exclusive tip. I'm going to give your listeners an exclusive tip on on a deal right now that's happening. Now, this is not for the for the uh, faint of heart. Okay, give it Venezuela it's going Venezuela is going through a crisis right now and and their official rate for the bolivia boulevard which is their currency is i believe it's six to one or maybe eight to one officially but the black market rate is like 158 to one and so airline prices are fixed at the old rate at the at the official rate and so you can go to venezuela specifically to the Isle Il de margarita which is an island off the coast which is a safe place to be go in with dollars Cash them into, on the street at the black market rate. Go to a travel agent and buy a an round the world ticket for $500 on Air France. <laughs> have you guys done that? No, but we, don't, we know people that have been there.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Taking advantage of it. They spent a month on Margarita for free, basically.
0: Okay, I'm taking notes on everything you guys just said. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, but like I said, you got to go in with dollars. You got to risk carrying a lot of
1: money on you. Okay. Um, How much is a good know, amount? Like,
0: isn't there a maximum amount that you can take? Or maybe it's, well, I think it it's twenty thousand is the max, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be traveling with that kind of money. But I mean, <laughs> I think if, if, you, if you went there with with four or five thousand uh, dollars, you know, in money belts and in your shoes and whatever, you could. Um, number one, you'd be living high on the hog. But number two, to buy the airline tickets, that's more than enough.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. You know, I interviewed uh, Mike Spencer Bound. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, But he's also been traveling since 1991. And and he mentioned that uh, just through the process of traveling, he's identified so many little entrepreneurial opportunities like that one you just mentioned. Um, Yes. But you
1: have to be, you know, this is the type of situation where you have to be available to be able to go there. And how long this is going to last, who knows. But with the recent collapse of the price of oil, um, it's only get, it's only exaggerating the situation down there. The, the, the unofficial change, the black market exchange rate changes by the day, sometimes by the hour in Venezuela.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And, um, I mean, just, just the knowledge that you guys have, that you know about this kind of stuff. I mean, it's not what the average uh, American usually spends their time thinking about, you know, the exchange rates in Venezuela. I mean, before this call, we were even talking about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> chiang mai in the old city and you were you're giving me com, uh, computer store recommendations here in chiang mai and uh you know we were just uh, so right i think it's fantastic um just the kind of knowledge that you've acquired and uh their experience is just fantastic i mean you, you guys are familiar with the dose of key well, right yeah
1: <laughs> and a lot of this A lot of this information
0: is available on our website, retireearlylifestyle.com. Okay, retireearlylifestyle.com. We'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. Um, And you guys have also written two books, right? Correct. The Adventures. Guide to... We have two
2: books on... Yeah, The Adventures Guide to Early Retirement, The Common Sense Approach, and then Your Retirement... um, Your Retirement Dream is Possible. And those are two books that have uh, financial information and travel information. And then we have five uh, travel books on specific places around the world where we've traveled and places we've stayed and such like that. We have a digital bookstore. We have um, everything available there as PDF downloads. So it's real easy. You can get them in the moments. And everything is affordable. We have a lot of good information, too, on our preferred link site. Uh, we must have hundreds of links to uh, everything from relocation to retirement jobs, uh, medical information. We, we do a lot of, of medical travel, um, housing, uh, different uh, housing options, uh, just all sorts of entrepreneurial ideas. So like, if you're just wanting uh, opportunities, our preferred links is a great place to start.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask you guys, uh, where do you start? And I guess it can be a little bit overwhelming, but... Um... You mentioned you mentioned so much right there i feel like I could dive into several different things, but uh one of my favorites is the geo arbitrage when you mentioned uh medical tourism for example uh, oh uh-huh I, I think people don't realize how cheap it is in certain places and you guys obviously go where your dollar values are much stronger um, here in Thailand, yes. for example you mentioned medical tourism like last year in malay or two years ago in Malaysia, I had an accident I broke my foot uh Broke a couple of teeth, and I went to the hospital that night. And they're just like, "All right, you can go." And I'm like, "Well, how much do I owe you?" And they're like, "No, nope, don't worry about it, you know." <laughs> and so they they put a cap on uh-huh. me. I got you know free prescriptions because it's all government sponsored healthcare there. And you know, right. I think I think a lot of people worry about that. You know, oh, I need to get shots. I need to get health insurance. You know, I've never even had I never had any insurance. But uh, you know, even if I needed something, it's it's so cheap out here.
2: Yes, we don't carry insurance when we are in foreign countries. We take advantage of the local care, and we just pay out of pocket, or like in your case, you didn't have to pay anything. Um, We often get our our full physicals and our eyeglasses, um, dental work, all sorts of things done overseas because it's so much more affordable.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it's especially with, um, you know, you mentioned the computer age now, uh, I mean, you can live and work from here and, and earn dollars and spend baht, which is the Thai currency. Yes. Or, or ringgit in Malaysia. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, one second, I, I just lost my train of thought there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so what I was going to say, so we just mentioned health insurance. Um, you know, I think people like, they look at things like this you know, and, and they think of all these things that are holding them back. You know, uh, well, I have health insurance. I have a mortgage. Um, you know, I can't just leave everything behind. I can't leave it all, you know, uh, my life here. And I guess you guys have made it a point to do without a lot of stuff, right? I'm kind of minimalist.
2: Well, I think I think the, the most important thing is that we've opened ourselves up to options. Um when we first started, it wasn't so much that we were cutting back and living. We didn't think about it as minimalism or. or um, I think
1: that's a fairly new term.
2: It is a new term, but I think <laughs> I think it was called something else when when we first started, and and we hadn't really considered it that way. We just thought well. Um, we're not going to carry so much stuff around. We're not going to consume so much. We're not going to need so much. And after a while, we found that our lifestyles were really um, uh, unencumbered and fancy free. And we enjoyed that quite a bit. It was liberating, liberating. Yeah. It's very free free oriented. I mean, we've been traveling for years now um, out of our backpacks and we carry everything that we need uh, for ourselves out of our backpacks. I mean, for years of travel and, and it's really, like Billy said, it's liberating not to have to dust items on our shelves or, you know, have to go to the same places to eat or to, even just the routine. Our routine gets mixed up, and that's very exciting. And, I, you know, I think that it's, it is really good that people are considering minimal, minimalism these days because it's so beneficial.
0: Yeah, and I think um, it's really something that you have to kind of experience to understand, right? Um you mentioned the I think you mentioned perception of time. I've heard of a, a saying uh monotony dulls your perception of time and novelty unfolds it. So I think Yes, that's good. Yeah. And I I it's I've been in Asia for 7 months during this trip and I, it feels like 7 years given all the experiences I've had. And mm. you know, a year can pass 2 years, 5 years can pass at home and you can barely recall anything, right?
1: Right yeah I think the traveling opens up your senses and and you start seeing things that that uh, you've overlooked for years because it becomes a routine when you when you stay in one place but when you go to a new place everything is new obviously and and you you're just everything is it, all your senses are are very much aware of sight sound smell etc um, the novelty of it
0: all the novelty of it all right yeah. And, and I think, um, about, sorry, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, we just finished, uh, reading an article recently about travel and how it's good for your brain because you're, you're in, encountering brand new experiences all the time. And so your brain has to make new neural pathways in order to, to deal with the life that you're living. So it's real, it's a healthy thing for your
0: brain. Right. And few things are more exciting than reinvention. I think, you know, recreating yourself, <laughs> And um, if you have goals or dreams that you've had when you were childhood, that you kind of like, since you were a child, that you just kind of put on the shelf, you can kind of reawaken those again, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely know what you guys are talking about. And I think, um, you know, you guys focus a lot on retirement, but uh, going back to this concept of minimalism, um, I think a lot of people have to embrace minimalism not by choice, but just based on current economic times and the current economic situation. So especially with, I think a lot of what you guys teach can apply to younger generations, like millennials, for example, um, who are who are very mm-hmm. disillusioned with the traditional path and, and saying, you know, no, I don't want to buy a home. No, I don't want an auto loan. Or, you know, no, why should I have savings because everybody else is losing their savings, you know? Um, well, we're... we're- we're big advocates
1: of becoming financially financially independent, no matter what your work situation is. Um, I, you know, it's okay if you want to spend a lot of money, but you need to have the resources to do it. If you want to buy, if you want to, if you want to uh, maintain a lot of stuff, you know, boats—they're expensive, cars—they're expensive, houses—they're expensive.
0: So, what is what is you, your recommendation? You just have to
1: prioritize.
0: Yeah. What's your recommendation to people Sorry? if they want to become financially independent? Besides giving things up, um, you know, how about how about funding them s- their their travels and or just living this?
1: It, well, they need yeah. to, they need they need to learn a bit about investing, and I suggest using index funds um, as as a way to do that. And. Uh, t- Time, You know, for millennial, time is on your side. That is the biggest asset that you've got. It's, it's a small amount of money can generate, can grow to a very large amount of money over time. And even with pulling dividends out or, or taking, uh, uh, you know, withdrawals out of it. Basically, what you need to, in a, in a nutshell, to sustain the lifestyle that you that you're currently living, or even uh, more minimal than you currently are living is to take is to calculate what you're spending and i mean get down to the uh to the dollars and cents of it like you tracked though, when you were in thailand in our conversation earlier and then multiply that times 25 and that is the number that you need to have in investable assets in order to pull four percent out of that every year and to maintain your current spending level
0: okay awesome um anything else when it comes to investment that you'd like to recommend um, I would well,
2: say just to continue doing it, to continue investing, like Billy said, you've got time on your side. And even if you become a little disillusioned about how little it seems to be to, to continue to invest as a lifestyle so that so that you do have money for when you want to pull the plug, for when you want to live a different kind of life, just not to give up on investing.
0: Right and also Billy your your background is um you worked in a you managed a Dean Witter brokerage right so this is kind of your your area of ex- expertise investing correct
1: Right but that but that doesn't make me a rocket scientist either uh,
0: Yeah 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 So
1: which, you know, what, just what's because a... I work, just because I worked in the brokerage business doesn't mean I'm the I'm the best investor out there all I'm saying is that mm-hmm. is that you gain confidence by the longer you're invested the more confidence you have that 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 you're going to you're going to have returns that
0: are going to far outpace inflation. And uh,
1: this is how you can make your money grow.
0: Do you have any resources that you recommend people check out? Uh,
1: Vanguard, for one, and Fidelity is another one. Both of those are, are uh, discount or low-cost brokerage houses. And they've got a ton of information for beginning investors on there. And, uh, you know, just read as much as you can. Um about investing and, and it's up to each individual, each individual investor at the risk tolerance and what they're willing to, um,
0: uh, how they're willing to structure their portfolio. So you recommend mutual funds to people?
1: Uh, I, we use ETFs now, uh, as compared to mutual funds, but it's the same idea.
0: Okay. I see. And have you ever heard of, uh, Billy, have you ever heard of Covester, Covester.com? No, I have not. Um, it's, it's a website where you can, uh, you can choose kind of a money manager and, uh, you create an account and whatever they invest in your account kind of matches it as well. Um, I see.
1: Well, I'm a big, I'm a firm believer of doing it yourself because only, you know, what your risk tolerance
0: is and, and only, only you have your best interest in mind. Okay. Okay, cool. And so if, uh, someone wanted to learn more, could they read about that in your book as well? Sure. Yeah, okay. Okay, so I guess um, last thing I wanted to just ask you guys, uh, kind of take the conversation in a different direction, what are some of the coolest um, or most fun things that you've been done during your travels or some of your favorite experiences?
2: Oh, there's so many, actually. I mean, we, we have lived in, in Mexico. We've lived in Central America. We've lived all, um Asia. I think just uh we've scuba dived, we've uh, taken helicopter rides over the Grand Canyon, cooked lobster on the beach, uh, lived on an island named Nevis where there's only nine hundred people on the whole island we've gone to see uh, indigenous peoples up in the mountains, you know just uh, where they have no running water you know it's hard to it's hard to just put a like one on it because it's our lifestyle it's like what do you do every day well we we see something different every day so
1: one time we visited a hill tribe in northern thailand and i took a bunch of photos of the of the people there and then two years later we went back and i this time i had my computer with me and i was able to show the people of the village these photos that i had taken and it was a big hit they were gathered around me like it was a saturday night movie (laughs) Do you find that a
0: lot? They've never of your, seen anything uh... like that. <laughs> Do you find a lot of your assumptions have been uh, shattered? I guess as far as how the world is, because I mean, if you look on the news, I mean, we're told that the world's a scary place well, the... and people aren't friendly.
1: <laughs> right. Well, people are friendly everywhere, and 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 we have been accepted in every part of the world that we've been in. Um, and you know, people are just trying to live their lives and. They like to be left alone and, and and be productive in their own in their own way and, and I think that's all that they're looking for.
2: We have a lot in common with even people in the hill tribes and there's still birth and death and motherhood and family squabbles and you know, you're looking for how to feed yourself and how to survive and, and there's still the joy of a sunny day and the peacefulness of a, of a calm river or lake or stream or something. And we have a lot in common. And that's one of the things we like to focus on is what, even though we may physically look different, what we all have in common, it's been really refreshing.
0: Right. That's such a great lesson. Um, I think I've noticed that too, just, just in Vietnam, for example, that, you know, Vietnamese communists want the same thing as American capitalists basically, or are looking for the same things in life anyway. Um, sure. Maybe just vary a little bit in their ways of trying to get it. That's right. Yeah, and it's it's such a gift too because, um, you know, once when I first started traveling in South America, uh, everything I thought I knew about myself and about the world was just shattered almost instantly. And uh, ultimately, sure. Of- well, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it by watching the news at night. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, awesome. So is there anything else that you guys wanted to uh, add before I, I plug your uh, book and your website again?
1: Well, in January, we will be starting our 25th year, and this is a big year for us uh, because we feel like that's quite an accomplishment to be financially independent for 25 years and with the amount of travel that we've done and uh, our bodies are still holding up fairly well. We're 62 years old now. And so we still feel like we've got um, some more miles ahead of us.
2: I think, too, too I'd like to have people um, ask themselves how fear is holding themselves back because fear um, does never stop either. And you can see where you can be afraid to take this chance or afraid to make that decision or afraid to go here or there or afraid to open yourself up to a stranger or something. And fear really constricts and, um, you know, just to, just to allow fear to, to float through and just not control your life i mean it's not necessarily going to change but but to to not let it control your life because that it will constrict your life if you you let it
0: control you right that's a great point um and i think there there is no absence of fear right i mean everyone feels the same fear but you have to continually push yourself out and uh, put yourself out there
1: sure yeah there's a surfer surfer term says no fear you know I mean, you, that wave's coming. You get on it and ride it.
0: <laughs> as long as it's not big enough and swallows you whole, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know unless you ride it. Yeah, yeah. There's a great book. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's, it's Feel the Fear, uh, But Do It Anyway. Have you ever heard of that one?
2: I've heard of the saying,
0: yes. Uh, Susan Jeffers, and I guess it says that you know all the people that you look up to, that you respect and admire, they feel the exact same fear that you do, but they push through it. And um, I think that's probably yeah, the same really. Nice. You
2: know, it,
0: sure. Awesome. That's again,
2: right. Like Billy and I sometimes, Billy and I sometimes ask each other, you know, why are we choosing to do this or that? Are we or why are we not choosing to do this or that? Are we afraid, or is it some other reason? And if you can, if you, if it's just fear, we decide to do it anyway, just to grow. We'd much rather grow and. Than to than to worry about if you're holding us back.
0: Right, so err on the side of action, then. Right. I
1: think so. Yeah, you know,
0: when you get to a fork in the road, take it, take it. Awesome. Well, if you guys are inspired by uh, Billy and Acacia's story, go check out their website retireearlylifestyle.com. Uh, they weren't lying when they said they have a ton of resources on their website. And also the book, uh, The Adventurer's Guide to Early Retirement. Uh, I'd recommend this book to people of any age, right? It's common sense stuff. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And what, what was the other book uh, again?
2: Your retirement dream is possible. And we give interactive spreadsheets with these, with these books. And um, if anybody wants to write to us, we answer all email. So if anybody has questions,
0: we're happy to answer questions. So, feel free. And uh, your email is uh, can I share that on the interview? Sure, sure go ahead. Do. Uh at retireearlylifestyle.com. Is that the email you prefer? That's yes, that one. works. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks they,
2: for having us.
1: Yeah,
0: thank you. Yes, guys thank so you much. for
1: having us. And we hope to see you on the world. Road less travel.
0: Okay, I hope to uh, run into you guys at some point. Maybe if you come back to Asia or if I. Come to Venezuela looking to buy a round world ticket. (laughs) Very good. All right. Thanks guys. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye.